Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die CFML News Podcast. It's episode 144, April 19th, 2022. I'm Gavin Pickin, Senior Developer at Auto Solutions, and I'm joined by Eric Peterson, who's also a Senior Developer at Auto Solutions. How's it going, hey Eric? Hey, it's going all right. How are you doing, Gavin? Pretty good. We're here. We've got lots of news to talk about, and uh, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Let's do it. Okay. First up, let's thank our sponsor, Auto Solutions. Without them, we wouldn't be able to, to make this podcast. So thank you, Autis. Uh, they make Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, Test Box, a lot of other boxing out there. Uh, and we always give you guys a few ways to say thanks to Auto Solutions. And some of those things are liking and subscribing to our videos up on YouTube. So thanks everybody for joining us in the chat. I see Daniel Mejia and John Barnett already in there chatting. Thank you. So like and subscribe those uh, to those videos and get all the updates when we go live. And then uh, we have a Reach for the Stars uh, Falcon Star our repos. Um, so there's a cool little GitHub command box extension you wrote, Eric, to make that easier, right? That's right. Anything I can do to be lazy. Yep. It's called efficiency, <laughs> not laziness. Okay, efficient. Yeah. <laughs> so also subscribe to our podcast on your podcast app if you guys you know listen through there. And then uh, we have accounts up on CFCast. So free or paid accounts on CFCast supports us. So we appreciate that. And then we have uh, an oldest book, 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks up on Gumroad. And of course, that goes towards, you know, supporting orders too. And we appreciate all the pull requests and issue files and everything else you guys do as well. But those are just, you know, a few of the ways you can say thanks. And of course, we'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters. I choose a different adjective every time I'm on this podcast. And today's is brilliant. Our brilliant Patreon supporters who are providing 92% of the funding for this podcast. We will tell you more about them and how you can support and what perks you get at the end of this episode yep and for those watching you can see there's different packages too you know there's seven different packages you can pick from uh up on patreon.com slash order solutions but as eric said i'll tell you more soon okay so news and events uh this is a little bit sneaky but uh into the box call for speakers closed on sunday april the 17th but did it did it <laughs> you so, can go right now to that same Google form and I'm going to put it in the chat and uh, still submit a topic and yeah, we'll, we'll still look at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're, we haven't had our meeting yet and uh, usually we leave it a little bit late, but we like to give deadlines because no one ever like does something unless there's a deadline. So now the deadline is passed. So really, really it's your last, last chance. So uh, go submit something, you know, there's a couple of perks to being a speaker. You know, you get some accommodation, you get a free ticket to the conference, you know, all those things add up. So, uh, you know, go fill it out, put in your ideas and, you know, we'll discuss them and pick the speakers. We really want to announce that very soon. So um, please, if you're thinking about it, please submit it. Uh, we do want more community members, you know, in, in the conference. We don't want it to be a box show, right? This is already a box show, so we don't need more of those. Okay. I, I know for myself, I always find it so interesting to see how other people use like uh, modules or libraries I've built or the Ordis has built uh, uncovers a lot. So we really need your perspective on those. Yeah, 
for sure. Those some of the best sessions are like you know different people doing different things with command box. Like Brad loves seeing those. You know Matthew Clemente's done it before, and there's been a few other people too. Um, and yeah, we love those. So if you guys talk about that, then we can talk about other things, and we got lots to talk about. So. Speaking of talking about something, last week I gave a last minute mention to Scott Steinbeck about his curl converter. And so I've made a new little category here, CFML community submissions. Uh, and so this is a pretty cool little tool. I'm going to share my screen if you want to tell them a little bit about it or have you even seen it yet, Eric? I have seen it. Yeah. So this is a website that you can paste in a curl command, what you would have in your command line and convert it to one of a bunch of different languages. So there's your common ones like Java, JavaScript, Python, but now there is a CFML category. This is contributed by Scott and it uses the HTTP service. I'm assuming that's because that was probably the easiest one to, <laughs> to, to use rather than, you know, tag based, uh, but still really cool. Uh, you can go check that out. We have the link here in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, of course, I see this, and now I want one that makes it hyper, just because I like I the hyper one. And there, Though, are, you there know, was actually not one that different from the CFML script version. Has a lot of the same methods. It's just a a little nicer in yeah. some ways. He said it was the most backward compatible, but it's still in script. But um, yeah, actually, Andrew Davis has one that he wrote that converts stuff to hyper, and he also did like a, a sequel to Query Builder. Uh, you know, real simple ones. And I'll try and find the link and add it to the show notes. But uh, I need to, I, I need I to put the sequel the to Query Builder on the QB website. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep, but I always like comparing it to the Java stuff. So if you ever feel bad about CFML, go to Java and look at the pain they have to go through to do something simple. I mean, like that, this is a more complicated example here, but if you just do a simple get and you look at the Java version, it's still painful. You got to make like 50 different things just to inject and, you know, and then obviously go to JavaScript. And, you know, if we look at JavaScript and go to CFML and it's pretty similar, you know, not quite the same syntactic sugar, but it's backward compatible and across engine. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. And Scott did mention that it did take some digging to get into the CFML stuff to get everything to work and, you know, dig into the source code of Lucy to try and make sure it was compatible across and, and everything. So thanks, Scott, for doing that. But yeah, that so was I my... assume that if I go to the closed pull requests, I can find this, right? We could see how Scott did this. That would be fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably not on the podcast, but. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And then um, let's see. There was another one that James Moberg tweeted about. And like, this is sort of the thing I wanted to get at with this is the community submissions. There's lots of little places where they list languages and CFML is not there. So if we can, as a community, start like checking those boxes off and getting rid of them and saying, okay, CFML is listed here now. CFML is listed there. It'd be pretty cool for the community, you know? So uh, it was, it was kind of nice. So um, if we keep doing that and we'll talk more about James's tweet uh, when we get to the blog section, but anyways, so just a heads up. We like that. Let's get CFML on all those lists because, you know, it's not dead yet, right? Not dead yet. I'm thinking of Monty Python yet now. So we also had an update from Host Media. So a lot of people are asking questions about hosting lately. And Host Media is one of those companies um, that actually does some work with this little CF manager. And so they've released an update. And I'll share my screen. But it's a cPanel-based plugin that allows users to manage ColdFusion data source names without having to contact the server administrators. And basically, you know, they have to go and add them via CF admin. And so it, it basically does that for you. So when you're running a cPanel type setup, you can add your site, add your database, and then you can add your 
using CF Manager, add your data sources in there. So it gives you a little access to some of those things that you normally need the CF Admin. And on shared hosting, you don't get that, right? So it's kind of cool. And so they, they've updated that. So um, Host Media has that, pl that plugin for cPanel. So if you guys are looking for hosting, maybe that's a good option. Nice. All right, we have some webinars coming up. The first one we want to talk about is the Mid-Michigan Cold Fusion User Group. Mr. John Farrar is presenting on 13 ways to modernize with Vue 3. I need to see Lucky this one. number 13. So <laughs> I know, I said good luck for the presentation. He's like, oh, I might need some 13 ways. I'm like, it's okay. It's not Friday the 13th with a full moon. You're good. So, <laughs> so this is on April 19th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, online so any of anybody can join and it says learn how to learn everything that is new and how to transition to view three yeah sounds great i need to learn more of this so i'm looking forward to that yeah i've, I've just been waiting for the whole view ecosystem to kind of catch up and yeah i don't know maybe it's, a new project it's just view two works so well i don't need to upgrade <laughs> yeah and that's that's exactly my point too i know that like quasar that i use and we use nux in some projects i mean there's just not a big push for view three. So we're still happy with view two, but I'm like, I'd like to see what's new and you know, what's different and, and everything. So, so yeah, let's check out John tonight. And then you've got a talk coming up here. So Audis webinar, April, CB security, passwords, tokens, JWTs with Eric Peterson. That's April 29th uh, at 11 a.m. Central time. And then obviously we can get that information on the Audis webinars page, but you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, CB Security is our tool for authorization and authentication. And there's lots of different uh, approaches to it. Maybe you're building an API and you want some sort of uh, really full featured uh, JWT. Maybe you need to have two different applications talking to each other. Maybe you have your traditional users logging in. Maybe you have a combination of all of those. So we're going to go see how CB security gives you a unified uh, interface to deal with all those different types of logins. And uh, it should be a good time. Yep. So go register now. You get your email reminder and you can put it on your calendar so you don't forget. And then a uh, Hawaii Cold Fusion Meetup group. They're using uh, Cold Fusion RMs with Nick. I always get this wrong. Kowalski. Um, that's going to be April 29th as well, but that'll be later in the day at 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, much later in the day for everybody. So you can see both. You can make it work. But uh, it's talking about, you know, Cold Fusion's ORM um, using, you know, Hibernate essentially. And Nick's an adjunct professor at Michigan State and does quite a lot of work with uh, the Michigan CFUG and the Apache Foundation. And so um, he's a great one to be to watching for this. So... Look forward to seeing that, and yeah, it'll be a good session. Okay, well, we have a couple of Cold Fusion uh, meetups coming as well. Uh, sorry, Adobe workshops, and they ha we have a full list we'll put here at the end. But the ones left here in April, we have one this Thursday. I love this title. It is Adobe Cold Fusion Truths by Mark Takata, and this is all about booleans in Cold Fusion. Wow. which I'm as much interested in, in it because of the title as I am about how can you make a talk of, you know, 45 minute workshop on Booleans. <laughs> so well, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've run into a whole lot of those Boolean serialization issues uh, 
we have a doctor uh, a doctor no in town uh, in one of the medical apps that I wrote it keeps calling him Dr. False whenever I import so I have to go through and check <laughs> to see if it's actually the, the text no or if it's actually a boolean because the serialization messes up and just little yeah. things like that you know yay for dynamic <laughs> languages right <laughs> yeah and then we also have um, the European workshop with um, Damien Bruendonks April 26th at 9am Central European time and then we have the the full list as Eric said there's another workshop in May and June already announced so it's kind of nice. So uh, lots of good stuff there. Okay, so that wraps up our news for right now. But we have some CFCast content too. Yes, by our very own Gavin here. We are publishing our first Forgebox package with Gavin. You can okay. check it out now. We're up to five videos. So we're talking about creating our accounts via the command box or online. And yep. soon we'll be publishing what we've been working on. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, obviously, Forgebox, you can use it without uh, creating an account. But if you want to start publishing a package, that's when you need an account. And so we go through the different steps. And I try and compare the using the web interface versus the CLI for most of these because some people are scared of the CLI still, and it's okay. It takes time to get used to it. Eventually, you'll find it makes you more efficient, not lazy. Um, but yeah, the UI is good for when you're trying to understand something. So, but yeah, we got you know, more it's videos. also really nice to just browse and see which ones you want, see what the differences are. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've, I like browse in the, in the web interface and then I publish everything from the CLI. So. Yeah. I mean, there's definite pros and cons. I mean, the CLI has some pretty cool workflows that just aren't quite there through the web UI for some things, but like you say, it's easier to scroll through a browser than it is through text, even though Brad does good work on command boxes interface. Sure. But anyway, so we've got more of those videos coming soon. So keep an eye out for later this week. There should be more of the Forgebox, uh, publish your first Forgebox package. And then, yeah, lots of content in there and more Forgebox stuff coming soon as well. So, okay, that's your CFCast update. Let's look at some conferences. We just finished Dev Nexus. We had a few people there. Uh, Brad and Luis were there giving some presentations. I'm sure those are going to be making their way into ours as well. I think Brad's was on making a pull request. In fact, he made pull requests against some of my repos for fun. And I was uh, taunting him back and forth on it. And uh, Luis talked about Alpine, Alpine JS, our new view light. Yep, and that's that's what I like to call it. I actually used it last week for some content box updates in the admin. It was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, Brad and Luis had a great time. They really enjoyed it. You know, it was really well put on. It's a great conference. And uh, I saw Ray actually tweeting in Luis's session about how Alpine, how he hadn't seen it yet. And he's like, oh my gosh, this looks like view light, basically. And he says he loves it. And so uh, that was kind of cool to see too. So, you know, Ray's there as well, learning and representing uh, Adobe. So, yeah, maybe there's a few we other tweets. Maybe we won't ever make it to View 3, Gavin. Maybe we're all jumping in on Alpine. Well, Alpine's great for, like, those little in-page elements, you know? Like, basically, you want this little one web component to do something. But uh, I, I see, you know, View for the bigger stuff. Like, the computer properties in Alpine is kind of, like, not really computer properties. They're kind of fakish. And I had to do a little tweaking to get them to be reactive versus, you know, you know, views so, i mean there's definitely some pros and cons to everything but uh alpine is great for lots of little sprinkly stuff for sure definitely definitely love that yeah i'm pretty sure computed properties side note are my favorite thing in view like you can take everything else away but that i use them all the time i love it 
Yeah. <laughs> and the best thing is that I still was able to use them in Alpine, but once I got it too complicated, it just broke down a little bit. So it was probably my fault for doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> As is most things in programming, it's usually our own fault. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We also have DockerCon coming up soon. So we have... Uh, the registration form is up for that. You can sign up and they even have some free workshops, I believe, the day before. So I'm going to share my screen for those watching. Um, but yeah, so May 9th is the virtual workshop and then May 10th is the interactive virtual event. It's all free uh, and they do try to offer, you know, the same materials later. So you actually have earlier and later uh, like workshops. You can do a 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Pacific or a 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific. So they're trying to work with you so you can make those workshops even around your work schedule. It's kind of nice. So go sign up for that one. It's free and there's a lot of really good speakers there. And as you can see, the schedule is now there, too. So you can find out what is actually there and, you know, maybe uh, start marking which ones you're going to look at. So, pretty neat. All right. Speaking of you, <laughs> the U.S. Vue.js conference is June 8th through the 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's a hard word to say. Sorry. You can find out more at us.vue.js.org. Yep. Uh, again, they Beach, have one-day workshop. Code and view. Yep, they have one day workshop and two days of conference. Uh, the call for speakers is open, but the deadline is actually passed. So I guess we'll have to see, but I noticed they have a speakers tab and it's not working. Uh, Maybe they haven't added them to this page yet. So should have, yeah. should have used Alpine. I'm just kidding, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're adding the information about that. You've got the workshops and everything here. Um, and past events is kind of nice. You've got some, you know, videos and some, um, some of the previous content available. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I really like Vue, obviously, but Vue Conference is a really nice conference. So I'm hoping to make it there in person, uh, see how that goes this year. We also had that right. conference. So that, yeah, let's talk about that conference. Yeah, so I didn't realize that they had so much great content on that conference. Um, so they have online monthly uh, events like, you know, they have webinars, they have like little mini conferences, and they've got actual in-person conferences in Texas and Wisconsin. So they have two a year. And uh, Al Daniel Garcia, who's been one of the hosts on the podcast lately, is actually speaking there. So... That's going to be pretty cool. So if you're looking for um, more good content, uh, that.us slash activities shows lots of great things. I'm sharing my screen. So you'll see that they've got upcoming, you know, events. And you'll see as they go further on, there's like multiple on certain days. And then, yeah, there's just a lot of different activities. And I mean, these are pretty neat, but they have like summer camps. So you see camp counselor, um, but there's a lot of good content on their website. Um, you can see the events, their activities are sort of the daily stuff, but you've got the online conferences, uh, the in-person conferences. Uh, but yeah, it looks like a really cool, a cool conference. And they saw me when they said it was in a resort that had a water park in there. So I'm like, maybe I can make it. <laughs> <sighs> now, do we know, is Daniel in the Texas or the Wisconsin one? He's doing the Wisconsin one. So, okay. Yeah. So if you look here, I'll share my screen again. There's Look, Daniel. there's Ray Camden. He's in this one as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, so there's you know a lot of cool information here. I really want to actually 
look through this talk. I think he gave this ITB. He's updating it a little bit for this, but you know, talking about using Postman and webhook.site and ingrok to enhance your workflow with API development and testing. So that's one of the ones I did not see ITB. So I got to go watch that on CFCAS. But there you go. But yeah, but I'm hoping to get there in person at least sometime. It's a good excuse to go play at a water park. So. And then CF Summit is coming up too. We have some official-ish dates um, from Adobe. I'm trying to get more uh, concrete from, from Mark Takata. Last we saw it was going to be on the 3rd and 4th of October, and that would be the conference, two-day conference. And then on the 5th, they'll be doing their uh, Adobe Certified Professional you know, one-day class with Tess. So uh, we're hopefully we get more concrete information on that real soon, and uh, we'll let you know as soon as we do. Okay, so next up, ITB into the box. Um, we still have early bird pricing available to April 30th. Um, again, we did have concrete dates, but we're sort of in flux right now, waiting for CF Summit to be more official so we can make sure we don't butt up against them. As their unofficial dates means that basically you'd fly to Houston and then fly straight from Houston to Vegas and we don't want to get divorced. So we're trying to <laughs> trying to split them up a little bit. So we're working on our dates, looking at different options there. Um, but the early bird tickets are available until April 30th. So save, save some money and do that. And again, call for speakers. We want more speakers, right, Eric? That's right. And let me let you in on a little inside baseball here uh, with the webinar coming up next week. I've barely started that. And, uh, I agreed to give it so I would write this talk. I do the same thing for all my conferences. <laughs> I put in the subject I wish I had written, and then when they accept it, I finally have to do it. So if that's you, if you're like, I don't have a, I don't have anything written, just put in the idea and you'll get it done. I believe in you. Yep. Deadlines <laughs> are a, a big motivator to, to do something. <laughs> you don't also, want to look like an idiot. <laughs> the, yeah, the fear of looking dumb. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. won't. You'll be awesome. Yep. And don't worry, if someone asks you like something you don't know the answer to, don't make it up to say, you know what, I haven't looked into that yet, but I will look into that and get back to you. And like, that's a great answer. And a lot of people, you know, will respect that. Because even if you do know everything about something, there's something you don't know. And that person in the back is always going to ask that question. So it's okay. You know, things are or written. <laughs> just don't accept the Q&A at the end. You don't have to. <laughs> you can if you want, but you don't have to. Yeah. There's a secret. All right. <laughs> and then into the box, Latam. Again, we're looking at December 1st and 2nd and CF Camp. We've heard nothing as of yet. So we're not sure if that's going on. And then comps.tech, if you want to find out more conferences, you don't have enough to fill your day. They got plenty there. So lots of online options, in-person options, many different languages, uh, and some of them very generic too. So really good. Okay, let's get into our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. I noticed in our own internal show notes, we now have uh, corners. Yep. I've, I've nicknamed it the Ben Corner for a while, but now it's official in our show notes. <laughs> yep. So, so we, we have a... Sorry, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> Jinx, you're it. <laughs> we, we have a couple of things here from Ben. Uh, the first is a tweet about... Um, apparently, Lucy doesn't like handling 2.1 million items at once kind of ran out of memory so uh 
That yeah. was fun. <laughs> yeah. So he said, you know, he's basically going through this into chunks of a hundred and he had no ideas that the algorithm he wrote would ever encounter two million items, but I guess it did. And so uh, he's like, time to rework it. But the thread was really neat because, you know, he, he wanted to be sure that everyone knew, like it handles hundreds of thousands of items pretty easily, you know, but it's basically, you know, it's at that point he's like, whoop, is that the, is that the threshold? And so, of course, I had to respond that Luis Mahamo is screaming, use CB streams, because streams, you know, can definitely handle this type of thing. It only pulls in a little bit at a time and processes what you need. But, you know, some people in the community were responding and talking about, you know, throttlers, looking at streams, different things with, you know, like async and, you know, and he actually pulls in the fusion reactor to look at it and see what it's doing and stuff, you know, so... I thought that was a really cool little tweet to see what people are, you know, responding and everything. So uh, there were some fun things in the the thread. Uh, this was user provided data, so once again, <laughs> uh, never assume your users will give you something reasonable. They'll always <laughs> end up giving you two million items at once. Um, <laughs> and the second part was, I I think we need to hear this more. Now's the time that Ben said he's going to go rework the algorithm, right? When it didn't handle it, not because he, you know, not some scientific, I need this to be the most perfect algorithm ever and be as efficient as possible. It was when it needs to do more, when it's not handling the workload. So, yeah, premature. We, we all need to remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So we'll, uh, we'll include the link to that tweet. Again, check out the thread for more fun. Um, especially Ben's uh, test, which is expect server to crash. Yep. That was at the very end. It made me happy. <laughs> yep. Okay. So next up again from Ben. So we had one about always returning collections from data access layers or as DAO in Cold Fusion. So this one was kind of interesting because, you know, we, a lot of people deal, deal with sort of queries all the time and, you know, and then other groups and, and sort of thought processes like ORM gives you back arrays of objects and, you know, different things like that. And some people like arrays of structs. And I know you had CF collections that you, you built to try and sort of, you know, support uh, having a collection that's iterable and, you know, more like some of the other languages. And so this is sort of him going through that thought process of, you know, how does he handle it? Like, you know, does he pass back a collection? What if they don't get any results? Do you throw an error or not? Or do you just give back an empty, you know, collection or, you know, that type of thing. But he basically was triggered all this because of the JS party episode on the Postgres JS podcast. So, so yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. What do you, uh, what do you think about all this, Eric? Um, I think, <laughs> I think, Defining what your data access layer is is kind of the question. Uh, if you think query execute or CF queries your data access layer, that's already what it does. It will always return either a query object or an array. Um, I actually still like, you know, what Ben was talking about, where you can throw exceptions when you expect one record and it doesn't come back. In QB and Quick, uh, we use the or fail convention. So maybe you have a method that's uh, get or find, uh, but if you add or fail, it will throw an exception if that doesn't work out. Uh, so you can kind of choose at the time. Is QB your data access layer or is it a service layer? I don't know, you choose. Um, so I think both are, both are good. I can see though why if you're interacting straight with the database, 
you want it to always come back as a collection because that's how a database looks at everything. So, yep. Yeah. Exactly. The fire up, the, the further up, the higher up, the more you abstract it. And then, you know, having errors that allow you to bubble and everything makes sense. But again, if you're filtering an array, uh, you know, and you want to see are there any records searched, throwing an error on the search being zero is not really accurate because zero is an accurate res search result. So, yeah. But yeah, it just comes down to like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't care as much about naming my layers. Um, but I, I can see the benefit of the very bottom being an array, and then you might do something on top of it. Whether you call that data access, you know, repository, service, whatever, that's uh, fine. Yeah. Use, use the words you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you're writing queries, that might be, you know, deeper down. But again, if you're using something like, you know, Hibernate or Quick or Query Builder, where you're abstracting a lot of that out, then, you know, you already kind of have that. So, yeah. Like, you know, I always like reading Ben's thoughts and he, he always weighs stuff up, pros and cons. So, yeah. So, last one in the Ben corner, we're talking about instrumenting cache hits and misses with Fusion Reactor. So, this hails back to a post Ben did about Fusion Reactor helping him know that he could cache all the things he wanted to cache. He wasn't running out of memory, he wasn't using too much there. And so, he wanted to add it in by uh, configuring his application to tell Fusion Reactor when it hit the cache or when it missed it. And along the way, does some refactoring to compose that behavior in instead of inheritance. So if you've ever heard the phrase, composite, prefer composition over inheritance, you can come to this article and see an example why. So uh, yeah, I loved it. I love Fusion Reactor. We still He's still using his own instead of our Frappy API on ForgeBox, but that's fine. They both do the same thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So another good one from Ben. So lots of good stuff there. But now, um, oh yeah, I was just going to make a quick mention that in Content Box and even in the CB Debugger, I think um, if you have the Cache Box tab en enabled, Cache Box is built into Content Box, and so it'll actually tell you how many hits and misses you have on different things, and it's kind of cool too. There's like a little pie chart and everything, and you know it's it's kind of cool, but. Definitely Fusion Reactor gives you way more details. But I have to go look to see if that's in CB Debugger. I'll get back to you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Again, I'll have to see. Okay, so Adam Cameron Corner. So he had a few blog posts this week as well. And he kind of had like a little series. Uh, it started off with him, you know, basically implementing dependency injection in a CF Wheels website, you know, uh, and then basically working through it. And so there's three good articles here. And so again... I will share my screen for those watching. So the first one starts, you know, dependency injection. And again, um, you know, Callbox does a lot of the stuff for you. If you're using, you know, Wirebox, everything's sort of connected for you. So this is, you know, him trying to basically, you know, use it elsewhere. And so, um, you know, he was saying how CF Wheels is collections and everything their models have a lot of other things added to them to, to make them more functional uh, and, and do different things but he was worried about bloat and everything else and so you know sort of walked through the the whole process and i liked how he had like 0.1 baseline container so he sort of worked through the steps very you know simple very laid out nice and easy to follow along and stuff so you know he, second piece is make sure cf wheels is operational you know and then 
work down, get a working model. So this one's really neat. So I think it's, you know, it'd be really good for you guys to walk through. And obviously he ran into a couple of issues. Uh, developers, that's what we do, right? We find issues and then we try to work through them. And so the, the next blog post is of a day in the life of trying to write a blog post article in the CFML ecosystem. <laughs> and so this one here, you know, he's talking about some of those issues. And then uh, he, he says, here's how far the article got before the wheels fell off. And so he's trying to add a cold box logger, which is the next article. Um, and so he sort of walks through the things. Uh, and again, so really detailed going through, uh, adding stuff through, um, walking through the process, etc. So, um, I like these articles cause you know, you learn from other people's mistakes and you know, it's nice to sort of see that detail. And so Adam's very thorough and clear, right, Adam? <laughs> so it's, it's good to see those there. And so then the last one was adding CFML logbox logger, sorry, adding a logbox logger to CFML wheels app via dependency injection. So we worked through those issues and, you know, basically go through that whole thing. So yeah, really good. Uh, and again, if you're using a different framework, obviously Coldbox tries to handle all those magic pieces for you, trying to get things together. Um, but if you're, you know, trying to tie something in with framework one or CF wheels, these would be really, really helpful learning experiences to, to learn from. So I cover it all, Eric. It was a good example of test driven development. I think, uh, especially the, the red part of the red green refactor loop. I know I've uh, helped people write tests before and they're like, yeah, everything's passing. And I'm like, okay, but did you see it fail? Like, did you change something that should make it fail and it failed? Cause if it didn't, then you're, you don't actually have a test. <laughs> and uh, he ran into, he ran into that. I think it's in his second article um, where he talks about, he, he expected this to throw an exception and it did not. Mm -hmm. uh, it was green though. So if you're not being careful on that, you're like, oh yeah, everything passes. When in reality, everything's broken. You just weren't testing for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good no. point. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Adam's very TDD oriented, and I really like that. Um, yeah, and so he says he has he hastens to add that I get that all of our frameworks baked this in, so it's well trod ground. The issue was that CF Wheels doesn't have it baked in, and so yeah, that's. I think it's Adam interesting said. to see how to set it up too, because you know both DI one and Wirebox let you use it in any application. If you have a legacy app that you're wanting to get this, I mean, Wirebox is one of the best parts of Coldbox. Um, yeah. You can install it in a legacy application before you've even started converting to a framework. So highly recommend. And this is a good example of how to set that up. Yeah. And I, that's the first thing I usually do is I add Wirebox and I usually add some Logbox and try to use CB mail. So I don't accidentally email the world when I'm in development mode. So those are a couple of things that I try and get going early, but yeah, for sure. Like I said, really good blogs um, and yeah, lots to learn from. Okay. So back to the rest of the CFML community, right? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that didn't write three blog posts in a week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we had one from Zach Spitzer and this one is uh, a new feature and they're wanting to show it off a little bit. And there's a snapshot out. And so it is the sanitized HTML. And so this basically uses the OWASP Java HTML sanitizer. Uh, it's similar to the get safe HTML, which uses the anti-semi, which says it's currently unimplemented, which is interesting. But um, yeah, so anti-semi is really good for this type of thing. I know that Ben Nadal has obviously written blog posts about that and his, uh, with his comments and everything. But 
this is a new one here. So there's a, a snappy sh shot. So sanitize HTML. You can find more about it in here, but you know, talks about some of it. And again, there's, there's nice comments here to make it useful. So. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Um, we've mentioned a tweet from James Moberg about any uh, CF developers having a cheat sheet for quickref.me. And Gavin had mentioned earlier, uh, if you have one, this is a great opportunity to get a pull request up and promote Cold Fusion in some of these spaces where it may not be as visible. Yep, exactly. And so I mentioned a couple that Pete Freitag has. He has like a cheat sheet for CF script and he has like a little cheat, uh, cheat sheet for Cold Fusion. Um, they're not PDF, obviously, like most of the ones here, but this, this quick riff.me, you know, has a bunch of languages, right? Again, we want to put our language up here on the list. Like, so these types of sites, if you see them, you know, I was thinking we should make a list somewhere so we can, you know, basically start working on them and get them up there. But, um, yeah, it's kind of nice to, to have that type of, um, community effort to, to get more stuff there. So I know the, the modern CFML book that Louise wrote, there's probably something in there. Um, we'll probably wrap something else and put it up there. But if you know of any that are already made, let us know. And uh, yeah, it'd be good to, to get those out there. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm reminded our community can be uh, very active. Do you remember with the Cold Wars trying mm -hmm. to get that in and they were looking for more people that wanted it and all of a sudden they're like, oh, <laughs> this is the most feedback we've gotten on any of these languages. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll get this in. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, and we, we mentioned the podcast and a couple of tweets and we had, you know, 30, 40 people go harass them about adding CFML to the list and they did it. You know, encourage, so. encourage. Okay. Well, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Encourage is the nice way to put it, but that's the thing. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you know, you justify yourself a little bit. And so it's, it's nice to, nice to have the community come together. So if you see stuff like that, that's missing it and you think we should be there then you know, let us know and we can try and make some noise and get it up there. Okay. All right. Uh, a breaking news maybe, um, but the breaking blog post from Charlie Earhart, there are new updates released for Java versions 8, 11, 17, and 18. Um, now I feel like, reminding people that 17 and 18 definitely don't work with Lucy. I'm not sure about the latest versions of Cold Fusion. So uh, 8 and 11 are probably the ones you care about the most here. <laughs> yep. And so they have bug fixes, security fixes. Uh, and so it goes through and explain. But yeah, like this news for CF audience, you can get the job updates from Adobe now. You should not, for now, use Java 17. Again, yeah, the new ones aren't quite covered. So, but yeah, the new Java updates is really kind of weird. They went to like every three months they released a new version, but the stable ones stick around longer and the TLS. Yeah, so lots of good info in here. Again, thanks, Charlie, for being so thorough because it can get pretty confusing pretty quick when you start messing with all your Java versions. Hey, and let's leave you with a tweet from Mr. Brad Wood when he was at DevNexus, which is reminding us the first law of software architecture, which is that everything in software architecture is a trade-off. And if you think you have found something that isn't a trade-off, it just means you haven't discovered it yet, which is maybe even scarier. <laughs> yep. You don't know that you don't know. That's always a scary one. But yeah, so that's from the, the keynote at DevNexus. Pretty good point. 
Wow, lots of good content day this week. So thanks everybody for getting your stuff out there. And again, if we miss something, let us know so we can add it. Uh, we do try and follow on Twitter the CFML and ColdFusion tags and have IRCS feed set up and everything, but we do miss stuff. So let us know and we'll try and get them in the show notes. So Okay, next up, CFML jobs. So we got, what, five new jobs? And I think one of them might have been out on time last week for the, the episode, but um, five jobs, including April 12th last week. And there's a, a few good ones out there. So we have... Senior Cold Fusion Lucy Engineer, remote at remote in the US. Ooh, full stock developer at Cold Fusion in Aurora, Colorado. We got a Cold Fusion programmer in Washington, DC. We got a technical operations, Cold Fusion Engineer in New York, New York. And then a technical operations in, that might be the same one. Sometimes they look pretty similar. So that might be uh, in the New York one as well. So a few good job postings there. And then Audis is still looking. We're adding to our team. So if you want to get onto the order site, we have uh, solutions.com slash about dash us slash careers. And there's a, a jobs channel in the box Slack team now too. So, and I think there's one in the CFML Slack, but there's one in the box team Slack. So there's uh, lots of places to go look. And if you have anything that you want us to uh, put on the show and on the show notes, let us know and we can get that added as well. But there's lots of things out there still, so. Okay, next up, let's talk about Forgebox Module of the Week. And have you seen this one, Eric? I have. I was excited for this one. So this is uh, our own SQL formatter by Michael Bourne. Um, so in a few of our libraries, but specifically CB Debugger, we want to show you nice formatted SQL because when we get the logs out, you know, it's just one big string. And in the past, we've been able to kind of dig in and use the internal Hibernate classes that were shipped with the ORM implementations. But in, you know, Lucy 5 and the Adobe 2021, now those aren't included out of the box. So you could easily be in a situation where everything broke and um, or just didn't look good. And so this is a library that stands on its own, doesn't need Hibernate, and we can include in CB Debugger now to format your SQL code uh, yeah. based on some awesome work done by other people, uh, other Java libraries, and Michael has brought it all together here in a, a CFML module. Yep. So you can choose your, your specific dialect so yeah, it can that understand cool. that or SQL or standard SQL. And I fully expect there to be lots of people complaining that it doesn't format it the way that they want their queries because everybody formats their queries differently. <laughs> yeah, that's always an issue, but it's a, uh, um, yeah. I don't know if, if Michael's and I, Michael, hold out, um, but I don't think he has any way to pass in like uh, configuration for how to do the formatting. Um, the Java one lets you like change the indent uppercase some things, lines between queries, column lengths, but don't do it. Make it like prettier. Just it is what it is. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to look at that. I mean, I know that he has the API docs, I believe, up on the SQL. Nope, it's not up there. So I have to check with him and see why. Um, but it's a broken link for the API docs. So I don't know if he hasn't formatted it yet, or I know he moved it into the Autos repo, so maybe that broke a couple of things so anyway it's well, we'll blame Luis try it for out it. yeah well, we can do that <laughs> so 
So, yep, uh, SQL formatter, that's our module of the week. Okay, so next up we have our VS Code, hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this one was something that Eric was like, what? <laughs> so R in VS Code. Now, anybody know what R is in the chat? It's a computer programming language. It's just the letter R. Uh, this is something that came up recently. My wife was uh, doing a like an interview for a master's uh, program, and they mentioned you know using the program R, and she wasn't sure if it was actually the letter R or if it was some word that sounded like R, and she didn't know what it was. But uh, I've used it quite a bit in uh, in college for a lot of statistical programs and everything else. But VS Code now has an extension that supports R programming language, and it allows you to do stuff like sentence highlighting, code analysis, and actually interacting with the terminal, viewing data plots and workspace variables and all those different types of things. So it's pretty cool um, for someone who's maybe still at school or, or just doing research in general. It's kind of a, a, you know, a simple language that really evolved and now it's like the thing for you know, stats analysis and everything in R. So um, it's kind of neat. They've got the, the whole, um, debugger now too and actually part of the main vs code actually um they have a topic about getting started with r so it's kind of neat that they're reaching out to you know different environments the community types uh universities and everything else so if you want to find out more you can look at r and vs code and you can find out about you know getting up and running here it's got the little topic so they have topics in here so it talks about it and you know I mean, they look kind of crazy. They look like almost the Apple 2E um, scatter plots and stuff, but has that built in right now into VS Code. So it's kind of neat. Uh, so apparently I'm going to be helping my wife with her master's degree when she does her statistics, and I can do it from <laughs> VS Code. Or she can install it and do it from there, because the program that you usually use it in, not as cool. I'll tell you that much. Hmm. So, so yeah, so I wonder if anyone's actually used that before. But I thought it was cool. If no one else does, I guess, well, Give us more suggestions for next week. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up our VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. Last but not least, though, we got our, what you say, brilliant patrons? Brilliant. Word of the week, brilliant. So, uh, you know, these supporters are personally supporting our open source initiatives to give us, you know, things like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Test Box, all the different boxes. And most importantly, you know, the the order's open source stuff, it funds things like cloud infrastructure that, you know, ForgeBox uh, package management and everything that works with command box that we're also reliant on. Because uh, we trust me, if something happens and ForgeBox is down, we get a lot of people complaining because <laughs> it shows how many people are using our stuff now. And it's really cool to, to see that. But our Patreon supporters, you know, make that possible because uh, your funds, you know, for this podcast means that we have more funds for other things. So we really... Uh, you know, want to thank them. And if you're interested in supporting us through Patreon, you can check out patreon.com slash order solutions. If you subscribe at a bronze package and up, you get a Forgebox Pro and a CFCast subscription as a perk. As well as all Patreon supporters have access to a private forum on our community website, community.ordersolutions.com, and a nifty profile badge to show how brilliant you really are. Yep, and if you pay annually, you can save 10% as well. So do you mind if I uh, list the names of our brilliant Patreon supporters today? Yeah, go for it. 
Thank you to John Wilson with Synaptrix, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, Jonathan Perrette, Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media 6, Dean Monder, Joseph Lamary, Don Bellamy, Jan Yannick, Laksma Turchahadi, Carl Von Setten, Jeremy Adams, Didier Lesnicki, Matthew Clemente, Daniel Garcia, Scott Steinbeck with Agri Tracking Systems, Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Kai Koenig, Charlie Earhart, Jonas Erickson, Jason Diger, Sean Oden, Matthew Darby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Monkey, John Wish, Kevin Wright, and Peter Amiri. Thank you all for your support of this podcast and Order Solutions. Yep, and Peter said he wished he could uh, join us today in the chat. He's been in the chat the last few weeks, but uh, uh, due to time zone with traveling, he wasn't able to make it. So he's going to be listening. So uh, we got your message, Peter. Don't worry. We recorded it for you. You're all good. <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate those coming in the chat. And Charlie's put more information about the, the Java updates in the chat there. If you guys are in there, check it out. Um, basically, that they're... The Adobe updates will be there for those Java things very soon. Uh, they usually go pretty quick, but they weren't there at the time he wrote the, the blog post there. So, um, yeah, so lots of good content in the chat. Yeah, we had Adam Cameron in there as well, talking a little bit, and I said Daniel and Scott Steinbeck. So it's good to have you guys chatting along with us. We appreciate it. And, yeah, hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see you all next week, right, Eric? We will. Have a great one. Bye, everybody. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.